Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio Wednesdays at 5pm for Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive-time radio show, giving voice to people with mental illness. One in five have a mental illness, but five in five can enjoy this great program, featuring heartwarming stories, great information and some laughs as well. Find us at 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. Sponsored by Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Rebecca and from the Brainwaves team today we have Christine and Helen. In honour of NADOC Week, we are joined by Niam Whitford, a young woman in Western Australia who works with students in a college helping them with their mental health issues. She also assists in the prison system, specifically with... with Indigenous inmates integrating them back into society. This week is NADOC Week. NADOC Week stands for National Aboriginal and Islander Day Observance Committee Week. It is an important day in our society and we would like to begin by acknowledging that we meet today on Aboriginal land, the land of Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. The team at Brainwaves would like to pay their respects to their elders past and present and extend their respect to other Indigenous people present and listening at home. Just a warning, there may be some distressing content involved in today's show, so please tune out at any time. And if you are triggered in any way, please feel free to call Lifeline Crisis Line at 13 11 14 or Wellways Helpline at 1300 111 500. All right, so Neem, um, we'll get straight into the questions if that's okay. Yeah, that's cool. fine. All right. So Neem, we might start with your work in the prison system. Do you find that the experience of being incarcerated often intersects with experiencing mental ill health? Yeah, I mean, in my work, a lot of the clients that I work with, they're, they've had experience with mental ill health or they're currently, when I'm speaking to them, experiencing mental ill health and the experience of incarceration often exacerbates that for clients. Um, Yeah, so um, obviously I work with the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, so I'm working with people who are in custody for whatever reason. And um, a lot of the time when the clients want to speak to us, they're experiencing um, depression or anxiety, which sometimes they're on medication for, sometimes they're not. Okay. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commissioner Nick, Mick Gouda called the overrepresentation of Indigenous Australians in prison one of the most urgent human rights issues facing the country today. Nationally, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander adults are 15 times more likely to be imprisoned than non-Indigenous Australians. That obviously has an incredibly negative impact on the Indigenous community, whether they themselves are in the prison system or not. The, um, a lot of that, I think, um, obviously the overrepresentation is awful. Um, there's actually a quote, I can't remember who it's by off the top of my head, that um, we're the most incarcerated people in the world, which is just insane. And 
when you have that hanging over your head, you can just imagine the psychological distress that it's having on our people. Mm-hmm. And I think definitely, I can't remember if it was a couple of years ago, I do remember, I think it was a little boy um, in Western Australia or, or something, um, he was incarcerated and he was actually injured inside the prison. I can't remember exactly what had happened, um, but I knew I there was, I think, protests all over the news of Indigenous and Torres Strait Island, Islanders coming together and protesting the treatment he received in prison. Um, do you think a lot of the community is angry um, about what happens in prisons and yeah I guess <laughs> yeah um, absolutely like you said uh, recently a lot more um, information about the treatment in prisons has come to light we've had a lot of um, inquiries and commissions into this kind of treatment um, unfortunately a lot of the time this is in the wider community but especially with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people the mental ill health that they're experiencing is kind of ignored. So there have been quite a few cases where um, the people in custody have been experiencing some kind of issue that's been ignored by either the police or people involved in the prison system. Um, I'm not sure, entirely sure about the case you're talking about, but recently, very, very recently, there's actually been um, 10 documented cases of young men committing suicide in prison um, in Western Australia that they've just begun an inquiry to, but this is just one in a long line of cases like this. Well, um, Nam, do you believe that more attention should be given to rehabilitation rather than using jail as a first response? Yeah, absolutely. Jail, unfortunately, I think is used so much more as a punishment measure than as a rehabilitation measure, um, which is a whole other issue in itself, I think. But, you know, if you're removing people from their community, you're immediately not damaging just one person, but the entire people surrounding them. Um, in Victoria, there's actually been a really good measure with the Koori Court. It's not just a Western legal system, it's the incorporation of a more traditional Indigenous system, which mm. kind of prioritises the more particular needs of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. Really, in regards to using jail as the first response, the last thing we need is another stolen generation. Instead of creating more prisoners, there needs to be more programs in place. Um, especially when many of the crimes that our we're going to... Especially in regards to the fact that many of the crimes people are going in for are like defaults on loans and things or payments. It's kind of really trivial stuff and it doesn't deserve the massive jail sentences we are receiving. And especially from another perspective when you look at the massive cost of imprisoning someone on the taxpayer. Mm-hmm, especially. Um, and because this show we're celebrating NAIDOC week. Um, I was just wondering if you could give us a little bit um, about like, how you feel about NAIDOC week and how other people in the community feel about NAIDOC week. Um, personally, I love NAIDOC week and especially I really love the theme for this year, um, Our Languages Matter. It's 
so important to document our languages, especially languages and expression of culture. And when we lose our languages, we express our culture, our way of experiencing the world. Um, unfortunately, personally, I don't speak the language group that I'm from because it's technically extinct now. Um, so, yeah, it's quite it hits quite personally home for me and in the wider community. I think it's a very very important week just acknowledging um well even though NADOC technically stands for day of celebration I'm pretty sure but it's a really important week for um, all of us to get Mm. some kind of recognition and I think it's important also to celebrate it like especially um with you saying that where like the language is now extinct and I think that's also really sad that um like that language isn't around anymore and I think in a way it's good that NADOC there is such thing as NADOC week because we can celebrate Indigenous Aboriginal Torres Strait Islanders Um, and I think that's so important with everything that's happened over the last few years in Australia especially with the stolen generation yeah I completely agree like as you said, the celebration, getting to kind of share culture. Um, it's just, it's, it's wonderful, you know. Um, when I was at school, we used to have activities like beading and cooking, and it, it's just kind of wonderful to see how involved everyone gets. How effectively are former inmates able to integrate back into to society outside of prison? Um I'd say it's a very difficult process, um, especially when you look at the age of interaction with the prison system becoming younger and younger. Um, More increasingly, there are people growing up within that system and when they're removed into a wider society, they really have no way of functioning. Um, And the concepts, the stereotypes surrounding prisoners, especially Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander prisoners, are so harmful to this kind of integration that they need. Mm. And I guess going on from that, do you think that negative community ideas play a role in the ease of fitting back into society? Yeah, definitely. The um, There's a terrible concept out there, stereotypes, that, you know, if you're told all you're going to be is a criminal, then that's not going to help you fitting back into society or at all and um, you look at the incarceration rates where an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander youth is more likely to be imprisoned than to finish high school um, the stereotypes that people are getting from that is pretty harmful it's creating a pretty bad picture and I think people are less likely to want to help ease the process of these people fitting back into society mm. Numerous studies indicate that Indigenous adults have a higher prevalence of self-reported psychological distress than the general community. Do you think that the broader Australian community is aware of the ongoing negative effects of ongoing trauma from colonialisation to the stolen generation to discrimination? I think increasingly more so, but that might just be that I'm now at university and with more liberal thinkers. 
I don't think 100% of Australians completely understand or even know about the effects of colonisation and definitely not intergenerational trauma as a result of the stolen generation. Um, that's a huge can of worms in itself, the you know, effects from those. But um, I think that's, that could be so easily solved in just better education in regards to the real processes of colonisation versus invasion and stolen the stolen generation. I've even heard people today that think that that was just some kind of um, goodwill on the part of settlers to, you know, assist Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So, yeah, it's a bit sad that not many people, not 100% of Australians understand what's actually going on with this community. Yeah, and I think that's also interesting to say because I know when I was back in school a few years ago, they would always teach us about um, Indigenous Australians, um, how, how basically we became Australia and about the stolen generation. And I even know, even at university, um, before beforehand, before any of the lectures start, they um, pay their respects to the elders past and present um, and just let everyone know what like what land we're on and what and who was there before us and I think that's also really interesting that people don't really know much about it anymore because I know when I was back in school that's all we like we we learned about it a lot yeah I mean I think one good thing that Australia has done is the acknowledgement to country. Um, I think, I believe it was America, an American or a Canadian told me they don't do that. And I think it's good to acknowledge that we have made that step forward, acknowledging that the country people are meeting on is not traditionally Caucasian or um, settled, you know. Um, but yeah, the, that the education surrounding it is so problematic in regards to how it's taught and what's taught and that some people still won't admit any kind of different history than what they've been taught is a bit troubling. Mm. Um, some studies suggest that there's an equality between the mental health of indigenous, indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians. What would you say, or would you say that there is a difference between how health services approach um I guess, Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians? I think so. It's kind of a similar thing to the Western legal system versus the Koori legal system in Victoria. Um, there's... The approach is very westernised most of the time and, unfortunately, that can um, sometimes ignore a lot of the issues that are causing it, um, the mental ill health and... Also, the involvement of the Western system can also sometimes ignore um, other ways of fixing the problem. It can be a bit blind to alternative methods. Mm. Just quickly, um, Neem, would you... So the Koori um, court system has come up a few times now. Would you be able to just to give us um, some insight as to how, I guess, this is different from the Western legal system? Just briefly. Yeah, absolutely. So... It's um, within the Victorian legal system, so it's not separate, I believe. Um, and I think the um, 
the Koori courts are obviously run by elders, as in um, instead of you know, um, like the judges typical judges. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's got more of a focus on more. It's not about jail and that kind of stuff, and it's about using the respect that people have for elders and that kind of stuff. I mean. I've encountered a little bit, but I'm no authority on it, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Would you say that the discrimination of people of colour around the world and other Indigenous communities globally negatively impacts people's mental health? Definitely. Um, like I was saying earlier about this kind of stereotype that all you're going to be is a criminal and that kind of thing, and the Indigenous people of the world constant treatment really of secondary citizens in their world's got to have some kind of harmful effect on the psyche um the just being treated badly you know racism this kind of thing um i don't think that's any different in australia and i don't think it's any different in many other countries in the world unfortunately Mm. you're originally from western australia aren't you Nim? Would you say that there's a difference in access to services and the general views that society holds between Melbourne and, say, more rural locations? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally from a very small town. There's only about a 1,000 people and we can barely support a restaurant, let alone any kind of mental health services, unfortunately. So rural areas, I can't speak for the rest of the country, but definitely in Western Australia, they're very concerned with just kind of sweeping things under the rug, saying that, um, you know, a lot of the problems that they're facing aren't really problems. Um, you know, this kind of... Um, there's a lot of higher risk of depression and suicide in rural areas because there's no discussion or dialogue surrounding mental health, whereas in these kind of hubs of activity in society like Melbourne, there's so much more of a liberal approach and acknowledgement of what people may or may not be experiencing and so many more services as a consequence of that. Mm -hmm. Would you be comfortable just talking a little bit about your experience um, within the mental health community and how um, you feel you're treated in society? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I had my first kind of Psychological appointment. It was in Melbourne, so um, you know there was a major support system there. Um, coming back to you know my rural country town, it was a bit more difficult to kind of broach the subject with people, just because again it's not something people really discuss or you know talk about. It's just not done, and I think as a consequence, I felt a little bit more comfortable talking about these kind of things when I'm in Melbourne. But I wouldn't say um, I've ever felt treated too badly because of it, thank goodness. And that's always good to hear because the last thing you kind of really want is someone to, like, discriminate against you because of, like, your mental health. And um, I understand you also work with students at a college um, and that involves working with them, with people who have mental health issues. How is your experience been working at the college? Um, it's been really good. Um, the students are great and 
I've found that a lot of the time people kind of understand that you're there to help them and not, you know, just make their life more difficult. Mm-hmm. And I guess in some ways a lot of people do think that going to see a professional is kind of, it, it's kind of scary because you don't know if it'll work, you don't know if it'll help or anything. And I find, I know, I think it's really good like what you're doing because I think it's always nice to have someone around probably the same age as you um, and just talking kind of like a friend. Yeah, absolutely. Like, as you said, as a friend kind of a peer, you don't want... It's it's sometimes easier to broach that kind of subject with someone closer to your own age rather than, you know, a seasoned professional who mm-hmm. can be a little bit intimidating. And use very technical words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Evidently... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Evidently, it's Western medicine that is the dominant health system in modern Australia, but are there traditional medicines that are utilised by Indigenous communities um, to assist in mental health? Um, I'm, again, I can't speak on this one too much. I'm no authority. Um, while I have been to communities, I don't really... I'm no elder. Um, but many of the programs that can suggest rec- um, reconnection with the land are very important, and I think they can assist a lot just going back to country and... Um, a dialogue surrounding mental health in those kind of um, communities in regards to men's business and women's business is really important as well. Okay. Um, Neem, what are your hopes for NAIDOC Week this year as far as the power it can have in terms of, I guess, um, raising awareness and advocating for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders? I think it hopefully will bring more light to... Um, how we can better save our languages and our cultures rather than just isolating it to a certain group and unfortunately allowing it to die out and hopefully just, yeah, really assisting in that um, reconciliation between the two groups in our country. What would you identify as the major areas with need for improvement as far as mental health is concerned? levelling the playing field in terms of equality of opportunity um, it's really important to kind of address that underlying discrimination in regard in order to improve mental health I think so making sure that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders have the same um, opportunities to go to university to experience the same jobs that kind of thing Hmm. and definitely we want to pair respects and and tell you how much we are thankful for you for coming on the show to talk about this because I know it can be a very difficult subject but it's also very interesting I think more people in society need to know more information about NAIDOC week and that and obviously if anyone else listening wants to find out more information about NAIDOC week we'll include links in the podcast um, but yeah, thank you so much, Neam, for coming on the show today and letting us interview you. Um, we very much appreciate your time. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really wonderful to talk to you. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.